You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. To the 35, as Manning fires downfield, looking for Beckham, he draws a flag and he makes the catch with Greg Stroman defending. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Thanks for tuning in. Grump, I'm so happy. My crappy team finally fired their coach. But, oh, wait a minute. This is the Just Giants podcast, not the Just Knicks podcast? Yeah. Shit. All right. Well, whenever we create that podcast, listen to how happy I am that Knicks fired their coach. We'll have to wait another day for the Giants to do the same. So how are you? Um, You know, I'm good. So that's kind of been the uh, the debate. I mean, we we – touched on uh some head coaching candidates last episode you know whether they be uh if if pat Shermer is fired and you know it is um jason garrett gonna be available would you want him and you know i kind of just rattle off some names and would you want him kind of thing and uh one of the names i mentioned was ron rivera is probably the only guy that i really would Want because to me firing Pat Shermer, you know, I don't, I don't like the hire. I don't like the way he runs an offense. I don't, I don't like the way he runs the team. I'm not even sure he really has a handle on it. I really don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't like disrupting a rebuild. You know, it's not like it's just one of those things with a young quarterback. I know the 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 rebuild's been two years in the making, but Daniel Jones has only been here for one. You know, how important is that to his development? But Ron Rivera is that kind of coach, you know, not an offensive minded guy, which actually I think is a good thing because I want the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach to be on top of our quarterback, right? I mean, I don't really want the head coach to be so involved in, in developing the um the quarterback that he's not taking care of the team. Does that make sense? Is that is that a silly thought? No, no. I mean, I think you're right that you don't want to disrupt a rebuild and the Giants, you know, pretty famously like to keep continuality, but you also have to take stock in the rebuild and if you feel like the rebuild is not being done the right way, um, you know, is it not being done the way the the pieces are being put together or how those pieces are being used. Um, and I think it's pretty clear that the way that this coaching staff is developing and using the talent that they're given is not been done very well. I mean, Gettleman's a different story and how they're building the pieces. I think that requires more time. And we've said that on show after show, but you know, maybe you have to, you know, continuality for continuality's sake may not make the best thing if it's not going right. So, sure. Yeah. That, that's, that's yeah. certainly, um, and, and yeah, one of the big criticism we do have of this head coach is that we feel he's being spread too thin right now. And yeah. he's not being a CEO, he's being the janitor, and he's being the IT guy, and he's being the HR guy, and he's also washing the windows. And a guy doesn't have enough experience, credibility, coin, and track record to be given that, and he's proven he can't handle it. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I guess my point was if the the right guy isn't available, firing him for the sake of getting rid of him may not be the best move given where we are with it. You know, if this yeah. were if this were, you know, Eli Manning on his second contract, fire. I mean, get rid of this coach. You have yeah. a quarterback who's in the prime of his career, you know, you know you got the right guy, you got the franchise guy. You start over there. But this is a the window sensitive for time. The window for winning a Super Bowl is not closing in the next year or two. It's not even close to being opened yet. But you're right. That's when that's when you pull a fire Tony Dungy and bring in John Gruden to close the deal and win a Super Bowl. Um, if we don't have a plan A ready to go at a moment's notice, you know, this is a two and ten team that's going to be two and eleven and two and twelve and whatever. Firing him right now is not the end of the world. But you can't just fire him just to start off with some other hack like him. So I think until this ownership and Gettleman have the guy that they want to put in place they think is really going to make a difference, I think he'll be here for 
longer than giant fans hope. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? At this point, until until this team starts winning, giant fans' patience are going to be thin with everybody. That includes Barkley. That includes Jones. That includes Gettleman. That includes yeah. Be- uh, Betcher. It includes everyone. You know, but this is not a but this is not a fan base though that's going to answer with their wallets because this is not you know Tampa Bay or you know Miami where the people are just going to not renew their season tickets. I mean, the Giants' loyalty at that point kind of hurts them a little bit because they're not going to impact the mayors in their wallet with bad decisions. They're still going to buy their tickets. So yeah. So you know Ron Rivera, with him being fired, uh, how do you feel as, with with him as a head coach? You know, especially with the prospect that he could be able to snag Norv Turner and bring him along as offensive coordinator. Well, it's interesting because he wasn't fired purely because of you know track record or even what's going on this year. I think this is a situation where you know an owner came in. You know, talked a lot, very chirpy when he first came and probably wants to, as all owners do, make an immediate splash, want to get their guys in. So, you know, I'd be in, I'd be very curious behind closed doors how much of him getting fired is a result of ownership wanting to stir things up or as opposed to just he's just not cutting it anymore. Yeah. So if that's the case, I always like to, you know, buy low on good coaches. And I think Ron Rivera is a good coach, and you know his track record proves it. You know he went to a Super Bowl with this GM. I know they'll get him in haters out there like to ignore some basic facts about what this GM has accomplished in his career. So maybe uh, you know, I think a lot depends on what ownership thinks of Dave Gettleman. You know, if they, I think, I think the two are kind of tied together. If they, you know fully endorsed Gettleman and he has, you know, a lot more rope. I think the odds of him coming here are a lot greater. If they want to blow out Shermer and get him at the same time, I think Rivera is just, you know, another possibility. It's very interesting because what what's the timeline here with what happened to the Panthers? They had an owner who had a scandal, yeah? Yeah. Tepper became owner May of 2018. This is his second season as owner. He is a hedge fund guy. Right. So Gettleman was already gone by the time he came in as owner. So Gettleman was gone, and now now you have an owner coming in with a new GM that he didn't pick and a coach he didn't pick. You know, and he wasn't around for that success that Rivera had. He's only seen the aftermath. That's true. So, I mean, it it could just very well be that. He's not seeing results. It's his product now. He can do whatever he wants. He hasn't made a really big shakeup yet. So, I don't think it has to do with Rivera's coaching. My only – and I don't know how big of a concern this is. I, I have real, really have to think about it is that if Ron Rivera comes in, if he starts changing this defense into a 4-3, um, obviously you, you've just spent a lot of time retooling a defense to a 3-4. I'm not sure if that puts us backwards or if we have to start spending a lot of money just to fix that. Or well, that tells that tells me then that they you would not be on the same page with Betcher. Well, we, we, yeah, Betcher, or even maybe the even with Gettleman. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I mean that that re- require you right a whole retooling of the defense again and guys that are not suited for four three. I mean. It's bad enough we're trying to get just an upgrade in talent on this team. Now we're trying to find upgrade in talent and, and specific scheme, guys yeah. for it too. I, I don't think that uh, you know we're not ready to do that yet. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, and maybe one of those things where they they ask him in an interview, like, "Are you willing to stick with this three four? You know, I I don't know what goes on in head coaching interviews, but I have to think that all things are sort of talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'd be I'd be very curious. You're right. What is actually how much X's and O's, or is it more against this? You know, are you a fit for this organization? Because mm-hmm. you know, these guys, you know, it's very easy to see. You know, your resume. You know what they've done. It's more like, how do you feel in this situation? What do you know? Because every you know every market's different too. How someone reacts, you know, 
even someone like Shermer, you know, being the offensive coordinator in Minnesota is a lot different than being the head coach in New York City. Yeah. And I think that uh, you can interview and say, how would you handle this? And, you know, everybody wins the interview and wins the press conference. But until this shit hits the fan and, uh, you know, it will. <laughs> and it has, you know, how they react to it, it's a whole different thing. And And Rivera does have that streak in him. Uh, I, w- I don't want to say snippiness with the media or anything, but he does have that edge to him. Yeah, and that may be a negative because I think as much as an X's and O's coach this team needs, they need a little image rehabilitation too. And to come up – to get another guy who is, you know, if not combative with the media, just not media savvy, you know, someone who just comes off as kind of – I know smarter what I'm doing. You, you guys don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't believe what you see. Believe what I'm telling you. I, that's just the same of the same. And I think that's what that attitude, and I said this last week, is part of the reason why we are talking about firing Pat Shermer right now, even though the record's bad. Then, you know, you might have a longer leash if he was a little more palatable to everybody. I don't know. It's hard to tell that. I, I don't know. For me, that's hard to tell because there were people and – I, and I know that this is not a large group of people. But there were people wondering why the rebuild wasn't working three games into last year. I mean the, the, the patience is just so thin. I'm not sure how much of that really has to do with you know his interview skills. I mean he hasn't been – Well, it's exacerbated by the attitude but it all starts again with we've been saying since day one with this guy – Questionable time management skills, yeah. questionable play calling, questionable this, questionable that. And it's just made worse by his complete lack of demeanor in press conferences and everything too. And that, you know, it, one feeds the other. And I think you have a double whammy. That means you're going to be on the hot seat, followed by the fact you do not have a very good roster right now. And this is where we are so fast. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, does – if we brought, you know, uh, Bill Parcells when he still has his fastball as the coach right now, and they're losing, you know, does he have that? Uh, is he making the bad decisions that that Shermer's doing, and then is he being defensive about it in the press conferences? It's a whole different story. So, I don't know. I um, it's a tough spot for Shermer. Shermer obviously is not the right guy for at this time for the Giants. Maybe a better roster or something, and he gets more, you know, better offensive line, better just all around where he can be himself. You know, and maybe you're not constantly having to defend a bad move or a loss every single week, whether it's his fault or not. Yeah, I mean, what coach Different. is good for that? Handling, and is that even a good quality? I mean. Handling losses? Handling nonstop losses like that. Well, I mean, what what is the proper reaction? Is you know, we're not blocking. We're not playing well right now. I mean, at a certain point even that response is just respond is is just, you know, well, what are you gonna do about it? You know, I, I I'm not sure I, that there I, I, is a proper way to handle this much losing. I think it's just well at this point now, I mean, now you're really in a downward spiral. Well then the question becomes why are we losing so much? I mean is this this is not an expansion team roster? Then it comes on to you have to explain yourself why this team is so bad, and a, a share of the blame goes on you, the coaches, for why this team is so bad. Sure. I mean, do we really think this team is two and ten bad? I mean, is this? I mean, I don't. Is this the nineteen ninety six Jaguars? No. Is this the two thousand three Texans? No. Is this a team that's? blatantly tanking like the, the Lions were a, a few years back or the Dolphins were thinking of this year? No. So I don't know. I don't I, – I, how do you – I think you just try to do a little less coach speak and a little more just honesty and say, look, we're not blocking. We're not – you know, and maybe that requires maybe a little throwing the, some of the guys under the bus on the team. You know, you can't be the one who takes the fall for every single thing. Sure, I guess. But so. I, the worst thing you can do is bullshit the bullshitters. I mean, you can't say, well, this team is getting better every week. Well, I don't see it. 
you know, this team is doing amazing things in practice, but it's not translating. I don't believe you because I don't, I'm not seeing any of that. I mean, it's not like the, these guys aren't Cindy Brady getting stage fright on Sunday when they're doing fantastic during practice. So that sounds like a bunch of horseshit, what he says every time. And just that kind of, again, I know more than you do. You, you're not seeing what I'm seeing type of stuff. It's, that wears really thin when it's constant and you don't see the improvement. But what I'm saying is that I think everything wears really thin when you're not seeing improvement. Even if you go out there and you're totally honest and you're like, well, we're not blocking – after three games of hearing that answer, it's, well, why aren't we blocking? What are you going to do to fix that? Why? What, what's happening in practice that we're not figuring out how to block? I mean, ultimately, I think when you lose this much, it doesn't matter what answer you have for the media or for the fans or for anybody. There's no answer that's going to satisfy this this amount of losing. And I, I, you know, I'm not making excuses for the guy because I, I think the real reason this team is 2-10 and 10 and not, you know, 5-7 and seven or whatever – uh, is that the offense doesn't seem to be utilizing the skill sets right. I mean, we're not seeing Barkley, you know, run routes against linebackers. He seems to be always running in the flat like he's just any other running back. He's not. Well, the, real reason, we're, the real reason we're two and ten is his defense has been atrocious all I year. It's been, it's, I, the offense and the yeah, defense yeah, yeah, are but I, mean, good. But, I think but I think that's the bigger problem than the offense. I, I really think that. I mean – too many big, just, just huge chunk plays and just, you know, that's the problem with this team. I mean, the offense has not been good, and you're right, it's not it's not being coached up to be any better than it can be, but, you know, we're losing these games because, you know, we're just giving up too many yards and too many third and longs and they're converting and guys wide open and quick scores, and that's the crux of it. But, to your point, you know, go on. Well, you know, the defense was always going to be a little bit rough because of the amount of young guys that had to play. Right. Um, but I, I'm not making an excuse. I'm saying that's a fact. Yeah. And because of that, because of that reason, that's why this defense is so bad. Now, is is Betcher helping this situation because it's so bad? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, see? Probably not, it. but it's it's hard to tell. But ultimately, is, is Shermer? Is his offense helping at all? I mean, this is a team that seems to be scoring a touchdown in the first half and then just field goals after that in every game. I mean, ultimately, a good offense helps a bad defense. And, you know, we go into this year, and I, I'm telling you that, you know, the secondary is really, really young and, and don't expect too much. Um, that's fine. But there was really not much of an excuse for how bad this offense is. And if, it, if the offense were at least eating up chunks of time – and, and scoring points, you know, maybe the record's the same, but the scores are fucking closer, you know? Well, I mean, there's a big three reasons from the offense. I mean, you have a rookie quarterback who may or may not been ready to, 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 to play when they threw him in. You have your best, you know, asset, your running back has been hurt for majority of the year, and it's obvious that he's hurt, and you have a an offensive line that's underachieved. Throw in now that all these injuries on, to the wide receivers and everything, and you know, it, it just it all mixes together, and you have a bad offense. I guess so. I mean, I think also the scheme doesn't utilize people's strengths very well. I mean, I'm not seeing yeah. Barkley being utilized, and this goes back to last year, by the way. This isn't just you know I'm picking on Barkley inju- while he's hurt. An injury thing. Yeah. I mean, we're not seeing him being utilized like a weapon. We're seeing him being utilized like a running back, which he is more than that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not seeing Evan Ingram being utilized in a way that he can dominate. You have a guy with game-breaking speed at a tight end position where he can win mismatches, and he's not running straight down the field. He's doing crossing routes and just kind of uh, four-yard stops. It, it doesn't doesn't help when we're not utilizing skill sets. Well, and, this these are the, the things you're talking about right now. Those are the discussion points that Gettleman and the mayors and well, they, they will have in the offseason to say, you know, the record's the record. The record is what it is. Is not utilizing your talent for their skill sets, a bigger problem and the lack of development of guys fast enough that they think those are the reasons they're going to keep or get rid of this coaching staff. If they feel like, you know, this is something that can be coached out of eventually, they're going to keep them. If they think, you know, he's not been using his players the way they should be, you know, we, we just don't think he's got it. He'll be gone. Yeah. Because it was just purely by record, he'd have been fired already. The question is going to be, this team is 
trying to grow and learn and develop, do they think that what he's doing is helping? And you know something? It may suck for Daniel Jones that next year he has to have a whole new coaching staff to help him. But you know what also sucks? Continued malaise and continued poor development in, co- in coaching. One of the questions I'm sure they'll ask too, the, the, the Mares and Tishes to Dave Gettleman and even Pat Shermer probably, is if Eli had played all year, where would this team be? You know, Did we perhaps throw Daniel Jones in too early? Or even if it wasn't too early, you know, what would have happened if we had the more experienced guy playing? Like maybe it's not good for the long-term future, but it is a better analysis of the talent on the team by playing your more experienced guy, right? So, I mean, what is the answer to that question? Well, I think they fucked up because, and I've said this all along on this show, that there's two decisions they could have made with Daniel Jones. And I originally thought they would choose option B. Option A would have been like, okay, you're drafted. Guess what? You're starting on day one. We are going to prep you from day one of first rookie OTA all the way through training camp through the first game. You're starting. Or option B, which I thought was going to happen, was he would not play until this team is eliminated from the playoffs. Give him enough time to slowly, even though he's getting second team reps, slowly be brought along till he's ready. I think, you know, the season started off badly. Eli became the scapegoat. You know, every year is the same thing. Eli's finished. He's washed up. The media parrots themselves, and it just became the narrative that he's done. He's the reason it's bad, even though it wasn't his fault. And I think that was one of uh, Shermer's steps in trying to save his job for the longer term was, okay, I'm going with Daniel Jones. So, you know. What, it's a lot of revisionist history right now because everybody that Eli is going to be starting this weekend, like, oh, you know, breath of fresh air for the offense. You know, maybe Eli has a little bit left in the tank. You remember this fan base back in week two? <laughs> everybody was like, he's washed. He's done. Week two? We're what saying about like three years last, ago? Yeah, like last year, the year before too. Same thing. He's finished. You know, he he – you know, his time, his internal time clock is done because of the offensive line. He can't move. He's not accurate anymore. You know, this, that, and the other thing. He throws bad picks. So he hasn't played in 10 weeks. Now, all of a sudden, you know, and, and even if he does play well, what good is it? I mean, what, what, what are you trying to achieve? I mean, this is now the race for Chase, as uh, a very smart person I live with and am married to called it today. Winning at this point doesn't – winning that way doesn't solve anything. It's not helping in development of, of anything. Maybe it helps Daniel Jones on the bench because he's down to kind of take a step back and just watch a game or two, You know, have Mike Shula right on his hip for the whole game or stuff, take him a little a different perspective as he's learning. But the odds of – first of all, the odds of Eli Manning off the bench coming into a very hostile environment in, in Philly and winning are – very low. And next couple of weeks, we have games that hmm, this team is probably better off losing. So I don't know what people's expectations are or what they're hoping for, but I don't know. I think you're just – you're dipping into the past in a nostalgia trip with Eli. So where is this Giants team if Eli has played up till this point? Maybe you have another win or two better, but what what's the point? I mean, I – now that Daniel Jones has been playing and honestly playing better than I thought he would be given the situation he was kind of thrown into, maybe they have a little better record, but maybe the development of this team is further behind. Nothing Eli would have done would have helped the problems of the offensive line or the problems of play calling you know, from you know, the way they use Barkley or would have helped with all the injured guys and you know the wide receivers and Evan Ingram being hurt. So maybe an extra win or two just with a, uh, a trusty vet who can handle some situations, but this team isn't anywhere near the playoffs with him. Yeah, I think I, I, think I agree. I think there's a similar record but with some different pros and cons. I mean what, what, the bigger issue with Daniel Jones seems to be Things like not sensing pressure, not moving well in the pocket, um, 
and, and obviously turnovers, specifically fumbles, that I don't <laughs> think Eli, you know, his his pros and cons are a little different. I mean, I think a lot of the the big plays that Jones gets away with by staying in the pocket and, and instead of bailing out, um, you know, those go away because Eli is is more interested in not taking a big sack, or maybe he can't stand up the same way that Jones can, or he can't run like Jones can. But there are other things that I think are less exciting that you don't notice, like setting up protections. I don't think that and, and audibling into the right plays. I mean, those are the things that you don't see until it happens, and when it happens, you're not even sure you saw it. Um, yeah, but you know, so we, we we also tend to forget how you know. Same problems with Daniel Jones. When Eli was getting hit, he was fumbling. You know, he was throwing as many, if not worse, bad picks at the wrong time. In the I final would say three. more, more yeah. picks than fumbles. You know, for him, the fumbles were coming anytime he got hit. Um, but he would take more sack. Like you know, it was kind of those things. He gets touched around the feet and he goes down. Whereas Jones is not doing that. It, it was more. Right. Jones is not sensing pressure and he's getting completely strip sacked or. You know, something but like it was, that. It, it was it's, getting it's a little to the different. Point. And also, Eli had a worse offensive line in, in his last couple of years too. Then, yes. I mean, his, the offensive line is not playing well right now, but it is nothing like the sieve it was. I mean, there is no Eric Flowers on this offensive line. No. There is no, you know, Chad Wheeler on this offensive line. No. But you know, when Eli was getting hit, he was fumbling. Yeah. Eli was I, I just throwing. think I think yeah. maybe if Eli has played up to this point, you've got one or two more wins, maybe. But for the most part, you're not doing anything. The only benefit would be is how much Jones is learning on the side. You know, I'm not saying it's it's a it the wins mean nothing, right? I mean, this team isn't headed to the playoffs with Eli playing there. Then it means nothing. It depends on how much Jones is learning on the side. You know, what we both thought was that once the Giants are eliminated or you know, we we thought it would all be Miami week. Like, if they even went longer than when they were eliminated, it would be after this game that we would start seeing Jones come in. You know, that may have been like the right decision. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I I, I um. Well, I think what happened was it was the wrong decision when they brought him in, but the right results. I mean, I think Daniel Jones again has been so much better than I thought he would be in a tough situation. Yes. I mean, we, one of the things I praised about him this year has been you very, very rarely see that deer-in-the-headlights look from him. I mean, he's thrown some picks, but they are not just panic picks. No. You know, they might be bad throws. I mean, everybody makes bad decisions. I mean, Brady Tom Brady makes bad, bad, yeah. makes bad decisions. So, But you haven't seen that. That was a horrible rookie mistake from a guy who just doesn't know what to do in that situation. So in that respect, and now at this point, now that he's played 10 games, that he wasn't ready to be thrown in anymore doesn't really apply. So I think you you learn a whole lot more playing than, than watching. But you have to be ready to right. play. Yeah, yeah. fair. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I think now – well, it's, it's all kind of relative. Again, like we don't know how much of the playbook he had the first time he went in. And he may have benefited from sitting a little bit – especially – I'll say without a doubt in my mind, he would have benefited. And I'll, I'll say that because yeah. he didn't take first-team reps throughout spring and all the way through. So, right. so you know, I, I think he would have been – this team for the long term – I I guess the long-term, short-term, like for the very beginning of 2020 might have been better off by having him sit a little bit longer and really get the playbook down and then kind of come in and and close out the season with with some good performances and and some confidence going into Uh, next year. Yeah, see, I think coming to 2020, this experience, because of how well I think it turned out, will be far better for the Giants than him learning up until this point. Because it could have gone disastrously wrong, and then you know his development would have been, you know, held back. But I think just because how well he's done, I think when we get to twenty twenty, it's better off that he did play. I he took so. a gamble and it worked. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, ultimately though, like you said, with, without the deer in the headlights, he hasn't had that game yet where you're like Oof, brutal game. And it, this is coming off of the worst game he's had was in was against Green Bay in the snow 
where you had two bad picks, one more unfortunate pick, you know. But even in that game, he didn't play well, and we looked at each other like this is his worst game by far. It still wasn't that game where you look at him and you're like, that is clearly a rookie quarterback. It wasn't It wasn't that Eli game in 2004. I think it was against Washington when he had a zero rating. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, we've seen all sorts of rookies just be atrocious. I mean, just, you know, like cringeworthy bad. And he just, you know, we quarterbacks, when you're rookies, are going to have good games and not so good games. And you know, it wasn't such a great game. And Green Bay's also a, a a good team. And it was <laughs> bad conditions as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. He has never really looked like a true – I mean, like, even Dwayne Haskins has had games where he just looks – maybe this guy's not a starting quarterback. You know what I mean? It's, it, I'm not saying that about him, but you you Ooh. can certainly look at that one excerpt and be like eh. – That game he played against us. That didn't look like a guy who was ne- nearly – and that was not his fault. No, it wasn't his fault. clearly did not look like he was – Ready to be was not prepared to play. I'm not going to say he wasn't, you know, mentally ready or anything, but he just wasn't prepared to play. And they threw him in there. That was kind of an fu move by the coach, who was about to get fired anyway. And yeah, you know, you're right. That's a, there was a lot of other things going on. And he was kind of a pawn in that. But uh, we have not seen anything close to that performance by Daniel Jones this year. No. And. um so is Jones sitting right now the worst thing for his development? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. The worst thing would be him playing when he's not 100% healthy, and, you know, that would be the worst thing. You know, I, I think maybe it's a situation where, you know, and you know something, and this might be a possibility too, that maybe they're playing up this injury more than it really is for two reasons. One it kind of allows you to sit him for a game or two and let him just absorb what's happening from the sideline. And two, it kind of avoids any of the, hey, bring Eli back for his last game so he can play one more time thing also. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. I mean, that would, be a, that would be a distraction. And I think for a coaching staff that needs no distractions, I don't think having to hear all week, hey, is Eli going to come in for the last game? And it's a situation that Eli doesn't want. I'm sure the coaching staff doesn't want. But so maybe, possibly, they're playing this up a little more to carry both of those goals out. It's a theory. Well, I mean, do you think it's possible that they they are playing this injury up so they can say, "Well, this is remember, this is where we were. This is where we are now." By by saying like. You know, this is what this is what this team was like before we drafted Daniel Jones. You think that's possible as like a reminder to? No, no, no. zero percent chance. Not of that, no. because uh, if you're sitting him down purely for that reason, not purely. Like, I'm saying they're playing up the injury, and the added benefit is this. I mean, again, we we both agree he's hurt, right? Yeah, we know this. If he were not hurt, he'd be playing. Well, I, I'm saying that I'm, I'm sure he is hurt, but how much they're playing up the injury to, you know, I'm saying I'm throwing it out there that maybe they're playing enough to be worse to do those two things. Yeah. You know, so that way they don't have to say we're benching him this week because we he needs to take a step back and breathe and watch what's going on for a little bit. Oh, the game's going a little too fast right now for him. They don't have to do that. Yeah. They could just say, well, he's hurt. You know? I guess. And then, you know, and then again, also the thing with the Eli's things, it's not like you're throwing him a ceremonial bone, you know, he's playing. Yeah, that's fair. But, but to do it but again, to say, you're, you're, you're choosing, uh, I, guess, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, if, if you're doing it to say in a smart assy way, this is the alternative. That's an insult to Eli. That's an insult to the fans. That's an insult to everybody. But how could you even tell? How would you be able to tell that that's their true motive? Oh, he you, is legitimately hurt. Oh, for this no, this scenario, like you, you just asked me, do you think that they're doing this as a way to say? No, I'm saying, is that an added benefit? Did they, do you think they realize that that's an added benefit? Well, you know, he's legitimately hurt. You know, this is a this is a chance where we can sit him down, and at the same time, everyone will see where this team was before Jones was there. I mean, either way, Jones is hurt. I mean, that that just is a fact. 
Um, well, I mean, I mean, if you think that uh, if you think Eli's going to come in and be nine for thirty with four picks and three, inter- you know, and just four fumbles, and say this is what it could have been like before, they would not put Eli in that situation. And no, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're not. We might be. He might be play. He might play better than Daniel Jones is right now. Then all of a sudden, you get more second guessing. Yeah, that's true. Too. Well, yes and no. I mean, still, Anybody, he'd have to remember he's at the end of his contract, so he would have to play so well that you want to re-sign him. No, 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 no. I'm saying for the argument of like, look how much worse it could have been, and how much, you know, I. So then, what are you second yeah. guessing? Drafting Jones at all? Picking a different quarterback instead. If you play him instead, like I'm trying to go back to what your original thought was: was having a benefit of him playing Eli is look what look what it could have been if we didn't play Jones. Not that no, it's look at where this team has come. You know what I mean? Like by 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 showing you what it was before Jones, it's it's sort of a mark of progress. Like remember, this is what it was. See, yeah, I, that is kind of that's insulting to Eli. But that's and, not the point. It's just, again, this is still not. Yeah. He's not being sat for that reason. He's being sat because right, he's that. hurt. But but I mean, I understand. Who? How is he going to be insulted? How does anyone know no, that no, that's but, the motivation? How can I mean, how could you possibly be insulted by that but, just by it being an internal decision? So why, would the, why would the coaching staff even have that as a motive a thing at all then? To tell, tell the them. owners. Ugh, hate to break it in right now, but uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night, and Goff just threw a brutal pick six interception. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, to tell the owners. Yeah, to save their own jobs. Well, then if Eli plays decent. You don't have to say anything at all. You use it as ammo after, I'm saying. Not right now. Well, because... I don't think it matters so much as far as what this team is. We don't think quarterback is number two, three, or four in the reasons why this team is so bad. We don't. But again, we're talking about guys trying to save their jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if they were trying to save their jobs, I think Eli would have played the whole year. That's interesting. Yeah, I. I that, oh, that's they missed the extra point. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. If, if if they were trying to say purely save their job for this year, Eli would have been back after a five-game losing streak or a four-game losing streak or a six-game. They are committed to Daniel Jones because they're playing him in the middle of this long, long losing streak, and there's never been a thought. To pull him. Well, since we moved on to that topic right there, they're committed to Daniel Jones. Let's kind of talk a little bit about draft position now because we've had the Dolphins lost today, which hurts Giants draft status. Um, and I think the Bengals... Bengals lost too. The Bengals lost also. Yeah, fucking Jets. I mean, they do nothing to help us out. And they have to win in a last-second field goal to beat Miami. Thanks, thanks for nothing. Make sure, make sure your mortgage payments on time, bitches. So, so one of the things we we, we kind of just briefed this really quickly before we recorded one of the few things that we've ever really openly discussed before an episode. Uh-huh. But um, you know how important getting the number one overall spot is, and and I was kind of like whatever about it, but you brought up a really good point. And there's there's two points here. If the Giants hold the number one overall pick, you have one really good option and and that that option is if Gettleman is retained and you're going through this rebuild and you're continuing this rebuild you now can trade down with the number 3 spot because you're assuming that Miami and Cincinnati are 2 and 3 both need quarterbacks one is going to want the one that they want before the other one can get it right so mm-hmm. you assume then the Number three, which let's just for the sake of argument say it's Miami and they have three first-round picks this year, this coming year, you can get a decent haul right away. I mean I'm not even talking about 2021 draft picks. You can get 2020 draft picks for this move. You move down two spots. You're still very likely 
going to be in the Chase Young or Andrew Thomas camp or whom? I mean, this is way too early to say specific guys, but position group wise, you know, you have your two quarterbacks probably going one, two, and now you're sitting at three with the rest of the board wide open to you. And then you have more ammo. The other option, and this is the, from my point of view, I hope not situation is Gettleman's fired. Now you have a new GM. He doesn't like Daniel Jones. That's not his guy. But now you're at number one. You can get that guy, it, whether that be Joe Burrow or or Tua or, or Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert or whoever. Um, those really are the two scenarios. So getting that number one spot actually holds so many cards, no matter what move it is you're trying to do. Hey, uh, Arizona drafted Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. And a year later, had the opportunity to get the number one pick in the draft and got rid of the guy they drafted in the first round 12 months ago. Yeah. And you're right. But they also tore everything down again. I mean, they fired Steve Wilkes after hiring him last year, brought in a new coach. They changed gears. And not only that, but by trading away Josh Rosen, they were able to reload – ammunition to help that rebuild continue without setting it back too much. The Giants right now need to be in a position where they have as many options as possible and as much flexibility and as many assets that are desirable by other people as possible. And Daniel Jones is you know, that being that number three. Or number... Yeah. Well, I'm just talking about draft picks. I mean, if you are the number three pick, you do not – it's almost like the Richter scale where the number one pick is – even though it's two picks higher than three, it's just incrementally more valuable than the third pick is. So you know, I'm not one to say lose on purpose, but we got games coming up against Miami and Washington. And what is in the best interest of this team on a long-term basis is probably to lose because – like you said, we we think Edelman's coming back next year, but who knows? And uh, someone might have a real hard on for Tua and wants him really badly. And uh, you know they upgrade. It really would be amazing, but yeah, you're right. Um, I am not in the tank mindset ever. Um, I, I don't like the idea of losing games on purpose or. Or anything like that. So it's it's hard for me to reconcile that. But I can't deny the the value of losing out the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and even even something as small as from one to three. Um, again, it all comes down to if done right. I mean, to me, it's a waste to be picking one overall and pick Chase Young. I mean, that's just me. Because I, I seriously doubt you don't get some kind of offer to move down to two or three. And still get Chase Young. Of course. Um, but, I mean, but again, it's it's very early. I mean, Tua is coming off injury. Joe Burrow could go back to school. Um, yeah, but you know something? This, we, we've kind of seen a pattern, though, with Gettleman in the last two years that if he sees the guy he likes, he doesn't care where he's being picked. I mean, could he have gotten Saquon Barkley at four? Maybe. Or five? Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. We, say, we, say, we say no, but I mean – I, I didn't say I, – I say maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. But, you know, again, Sam Sam Darnold was taken right after him. And then the next quarterback wasn't taken until much further down. So, you know, we think probably not. But, again, the same thing was said about Daniel Jones. It's like, well, he was taken too early. And I'm not saying by you or me or anybody. But the, the consensus was that he was going to be there when the Giants picked again. And multiple sources said that that wasn't true. Including yeah, my, Jay Gruden. So I mean, yes. My point is, my, my point is that he's shown that if he likes the guy, he's taking him. He's not. He's not wasting or not risking the fact that Barkley or Jones wouldn't be there. He takes him. So if he if he decides he loves uh, Chase Young, he's taking him first. If he has the number one pick. Okay, but we're also assuming that on draft day is when this trade's going to happen. That number one overall pick tends to move before draft day. Right. So I mean, but, what I'm saying, he could he could trade down to number three two days before the draft. He's also shown that he likes having assets. He's traded guys for picks like Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, mm-hmm. Beckham. I mean, so 
I I agree with you on draft day. I don't think that he's trading down, but he doesn't have to wait till then because the first overall pick he can be listening to offers, you know, the whole time. Right. But so. we also but also when you're trading uh, JPP for picks, those are for picks. We're talking about if he likes somebody specific. Uh, again, yes, I understand, but when yeah. you're talking about days before the draft and you're changing positions, he's acquiring picks. He, the, nobody's on the board. I mean, I guess everybody's on the board, but it, it, he's not on the clock to make a decision. I, I think when it comes to draft day, he's either moving up to grab who he likes or he's staying put. But I, I don't know. Man, he yeah. just threw another pick, didn't he? Oh, brutal. <laughs> I mean, we're watching uh we're watching golf's implode right here and they're going to, you know, they're going to blow this game. Um in any event, uh I don't know. Do do we want to touch on Beckham? Does it matter? Yeah. I I think we should. I think it's it's an important part of the story that right. uh That's that's fair. Uh so Odell Beckham is having a ho hum average wide receiver year statistically and uh, it has leaked slowly over the last two weeks that he has wanted out in Cleveland already he wants out not the other way around right I mean we haven't heard anything in that regard he wants out right yes and then video leaked of him talking to Garoppolo saying come get me or sorry no that he'll be there or something like that and Jay Glazer a fairly reliable source uh, has said Mm -hmm. that um, he tells coaches before games to come get him and that sort of thing. So, I mean, where where does that kind of story take place in the Giants universe of the rebuild here? It just proves that the trade was not purely made for football reasons. I mean, if we're hearing this stuff now, imagine what was going on when he was still a Giant. You know, Gettleman was absolutely right, and everybody misquotes him all the time that they did not trade, they did not sign him to trade him. They traded him after they've had enough of his nonsense. Everybody has a limit to what is the value worth and when is the aggravation more than the value. And, you know, this is a repeating pattern with the guy where. You can, I can only take the argument. Well, he's just super competitive. Only so far. There's some it, things that don't that don't count towards that, right? I mean, the important fact in this, we didn't sign him to trade him. Is he got a contract extension, and then there was an ESPN interview. No, mm-hmm. did it not happen in that order? The ESPN interview was last year before the it Carolina was- game. Right. So that was 2018. He was already signed before the season started. Right. Right. Then the interview happened in the middle, which is I mean, that, that is the- not a competitive issue. That has nothing to do with competing, has nothing to do with him being fired up. It was just a bad look, and it happened after he got the money. So, I mean, this is not a situation where, you know, they knew what they were getting when they bought. I mean, this is, you know, he got his bag and he's still looking like an asshole. Right. How he looked. And it's a guy that's continually had bad looks. And you can't – at a certain point, you have to stop saying, well, it's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. It just is what it is. I mean the boat trip was a bad look. Being in a hotel room with a bag of white powder well, and a stripper I, I, is a I bad just wanna, look. I want to pause something here because it's something he gets flagged for. He gets flagged for the boat trip. He was not the only Giants receiver on that boat. Just saying. I mean, he he t- seems to take full blame for that when Victor Cruz is on that boat, and so is Sterling Shepard. So he's a leader. He was not a leader at that time. Mm. Victor Cruz is a it was is supposedly the guy who was supposed to be the one talking him out of. Okay, but he, but, no, he, but he's the one that took the brunt of it. I mean, he, but, but I'm not saying that. that there's a reason that why there's a reason fair. why he took the brunt for it because it was. It might have been Victor Cruz's first time he was in a bad look. It was Beckham's fourth or fifth time he was it's in fair. a bad look. It's fair. But, I mean, all these things keep piling on. It's just mm-hmm. you never know with this guy. Every week is something different. And even with Cleveland, up until this point, 
complaining about his, his cleats, complaining about this, you know, this, that, the other thing. You know, it's just at some point, what's the, you know, what's the value in it? And more of an aggravation than it is. And it's, you know, if the Giants are trying to change the culture of this team and on paper, it's like, how do you trade one of the best receivers in the league for, you know, what some people think might be 75 cents on the dollar. Here's why. <laughs> it's pure and simple. The 25 cents is a huge load off shoulders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and specifically what the Giants got for um, Beckham, you know, you have Jabril Peppers who who has three forced fumbles, 76 tackles, and five passes defended. He's played pretty well. Um, he's not anything more than maybe average to above average right now the way he played this year. Dexter Lawrence, I think, you know, a guy on his first year since coming out of Clemson, I don't expect much out of guys – like that in uh, their first year. I mean, he, he's played a lot. It's a it's an exhausting position to play. Um, and he's had two and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, 31 tackles. He's been drawing double and triple teams consistently. And he's played every game um, and, and a lot of sap, uh, snaps as well. And yeah, Shane Ziminis. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, I didn't have super high expectations, but I think he's playing what I expected. So, which which is that's not a knock. That's that's fine. Yeah, I expect but I expect I mean, to see in year two, three, and four exponential. Yeah, improvement, in improvement for sure. But again, it, it's not a stat heavy position he's playing. No, I mean just be more of a disruption, more of an influence. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I just, before I rattle off stats, I just wanted to say it's not a it's not a stat sexy position he's playing. But it is an important position he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and O'Shane Ziminis, who's you know gotten spotty time, but again, that was the later round pick, uh, third, fourth round, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two sacks, four quarterback hits, twenty tackles. He's had you know some sparing uh, playing time. So on the flip side of all of that, this year, besides being a pain in the ass and wanting out, Beckham has less than a thousand yards, two touchdowns. And a fifty-five percent catch rate. Yeah, I mean that—that that is as average as it comes in a, in an offense that I'm not really sure what the excuse is. It, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's apathy, maybe it's teams quitting, players quitting on their coach. I don't know what it is, but you know that—that that is. I think, yeah, I think people went a little crazy about Cleveland in the offseason because of the splashy acquisitions and everything, but. This is another example of a team that has an Uber driver driving a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You know, they have very, very bad coaching, and uh, there's a reason why Cleveland's been in the shitter for since they've been back in the league. They just bad decision making, you know, in their hires, and I think that's a lot of it. Um, I I hear the production of all these guys in one year, but I think a trade like this has to be really evaluated. Two, three, four years down the line. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because you know something, we're 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 trying to factor in what rookies are doing right now, and in a scheme that's you know not being very successful, and other factors around it too. Um, and also, I think we're I think as Giant fans too, you're kind of say, you know, the the Odell side of the ledger is a lot greater than they're actually getting from it too. I mean, Odell may never have those numbers again like he did in New York just because of, you know, a lot of it's self-induced. You know, I don't know what happens with a guy like him. I mean, what's his trade value? He still has a monster contract, and now he's, you know, lower productivity, bigger head case than he was. Which is more evidence, you know, more ammo than that gun. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, is his value that great around the league? I don't know. I mean, of course they'll go to the of course they'll go to the Patriots and kick yeah, ass. But. Exactly. There's always the buy low Patriots guarantee Super Bowl. But again, that that kind of banks on Brady being there. I mean, I, not to completely digress, but I am still on that train that Brady retires and Bill Belichick retire on the same year, and uh, Brady today looked old. I don't know if you watched any of that. That 15-yard run he had today was pretty I mean, sweet. there was nobody there. I'll give you 15 <laughs> yards there. But 
he he doesn't look like Pete Brady anymore. But again, he has no one to throw to, and an offensive line that's a shell of what it used to be. Also, again, but but, but these decisions to come back next year and for a contract extension are all contingent on the guys around him. You know, the day he hangs it up, I think Belichick hangs it up, and those those savvy Patriots move of pulling guys out of retirement in, in December thirtieth to go on a playoff run, they might be coming to an end. Yeah, I don't know about Belichick. I mean, I would have thought the exact same thing as well. But um, same situation happened in the NBA with the Spurs, where you have Greg Popovich, who's been the coach of the Spurs for 20-something years, and he had had Tim Duncan with him for 17, 18 years. And everybody assumed that the two would retire at the same time together. And Popovich is still coaching. So, I mean... It's very similar and also mountains apart. I mean, you're talking about the quarterback, the most important position in sports. Yeah, but you're also Bas- talking about basketball. You lose Tim Duncan, you you go all the way, to, you, you tank, you get the next guy. You know, I, I'm not saying it's that easy, but basketball, that one player is totally everything. different, and and it, it it's everything. It's everything. The one guy in basketball is everything too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a. But I'm, I'm saying a Tom Brady comes around once in a generation, and I mean that word generation there. I mean, they're, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, those guys are not in the league right now. You know, the, the, Those guys don't come out every year and we say this is the generational quarterback. It, it doesn't happen. Um, it, it's, not, it's not the same. I mean, Tim Duncan is one of the 10 best players of all time, too. True, but again... It, and, and, and one player but you has don't more need imp- that in basketball is what I'm saying. Yes, you do. You, to be at the need- level of to be at the level that and, the Spurs were winning five titles, you need to have a transcendent player. Like the the Bulls had Michael Jordan, uh, the Lakers had Shaq and, and Kobe. The you know LeBron with Cleveland. But you don't build a roster to win five titles. You build a roster to win. Just period. You just build a roster to win. So. You can win by taking a Zion. You know what I mean? It's just I, I don't know. This is a, this is a silly argument, but no, you do, you don't. Yeah, my point for all this was that I thought it would be, you know, iconic coach with a guy who played with him for a super long time. We retired together, and it didn't happen there. And so maybe Belichick is a guy that just loves the coach and just wants to keep coaching. I mean, it is hard to imagine what else he would do, but he's. The oldest coach in the league, I think. Yeah. And, and uh, is Pete Carroll older? Pete Carroll is older. Pete Carroll's older by a year, ish. Okay. Twelve, twelve okay. months or less. I mean, I remember in the off season, I was talking with somebody on Twitter about, well, you know, once Brady retires, the the mayors will th- throw a boatload of money at uh, at uh, and Belichick will come back to the Giants. You know, have him come home. It's like. He's not starting over with a, a, a rebuild job like this, for sure. I mean, no. if he was to recoach somewhere else, he's going to some place that, you know, he'd have to wait four or five years to have the roster around him. That's all silly speculation anyway. Who, who cares? I mean... Well, fans fans love to do the association game. It's like, well, just because Belichick was a coach, you know, and a coordinator 35 years ago, that means he always carries a torch for them and would love to come back you know, X amount of time later. And it, it doesn't work like that way. Fans are much more sentimental than players and coaches. Well, got I, mean, profession- I, I think he actually does carry a torch for this organization. I think he's shown that, you know, in, in those silly specials I've seen a million of. But the point is, is that he's not going to come in and have to go into a five-year project, you know? Wow. No. I mean... Coaches have legacies too, and they're not going to tarnish legacies having going through a rebuild. If it's not successful, you know, it's not something you'll be remembered by, but it's something that will be on your record, and you don't want that on your record. Yeah. In any case, you'd never guess that the Giants play the Eagles tomorrow. We haven't talked about that one bit. Um, there's not much yeah. to really go over, other than the Eagles are terrible and they're playing pretty poorly. Um, but yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, terrible as far as being a contender for anything terrible. But I mean, way, I mean, way worse than we expected going into this year. They're exactly. Yeah. I mean, with all due respect, we hold the title of terrible in this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with that, I have a prediction here. Um, I actually think that Eli 
does some magical things in this game. I think he really plays better than people think and remember, um, which is saying something because I, I really think that the Eagles' pass rush is probably the best part of that team. Um, nevertheless, I think they lose, 27-17 Eagles. I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Tanney comes into this game Oof. because Eli gets hurt. Because I think that pass rush will overwhelm this offensive line. And Eli is rusty. He may have been taking some first team snaps this week. You know, it's when you're out of the rotation like that for a long time, it's hard to jump right back in. Uh, I don't see any hope for this offense at all this week, to be very honest. I think. I think they're going to tee up on Eli. I think I think somewhere we'll have between seven and ten sacks this week. I see this as something like we lose thirty-four to nine, mm. something really bad. I it's just it's just not a good matchup for us at all. And uh, I know Philly's been having their their problems, but a Monday night game, they're going to be frothing at the mouth. It's against the Giants. It's against Eli, which – how many times did they beat Eli in a row? I don't know. A lot. Know. Yeah. No, I mean it's, it's – I, I don't I think know. It's, yeah, it's a lot. I think it's important. I, I care because it's important because they've had a lot of success against the Giants lately, and he's not looked good against them. So I, I think that kind of continues, and I just think this is something where you, we just have to get through it Monday night. Mm-hmm. Sorry to say it, but uh, – I'm, we haven't talked about it up to this point because I really don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I don't even want to watch it, to be honest with you. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So we will have the, – the episodes are going to be a little whack this week because um, we're going to have to record the podcast the day after. And it's a whole thing, so it probably won't be up till Wednesday. And then you know Friday will be our normal preview one for our Dolphins game. We've got a – an action-packed weekend, so we can't do anything late that time. So, sorry, I don't know. The, the schedule worked <laughs> out weird this year. Yeah, you know, if it's something where we were in, you know, in contention for a wild card of division, we would be up at three in the morning doing emergency shows and making sure it happens. But I think you all, we appreciate you guys sticking with us throughout this bad season. You know, it's uh, character builders. We all have a lot of character now because of this, mm-hmm. and. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, believe me, we have a whole off season to talk about what we could do to fix this team and what we would do and what we should do. And you know, having a top three pick will spend more time on the draft and what our needs are and what you know, assessing players and things than we probably normally do. So just uh, hang with us and hang with this team for the rest of the year. You know, you've all proven your loyalty to this team. There's no. <laughs> There's no shame in that. You've all had your badge of courage right now. So I'll hold hands and we'll get through it. Yeah. So whatever we, we end up missing out on just because the episodes are weird this week, you can still get our opinions. I'm sure on Twitter we'll have a reaction. I'm at football underscore grump and the show itself is at just giants pod. Find me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan, you know, Talk about my Gators in the Orange Bowl. We talk about the Knicks firing David Fisdale. Talk about Gator hoops. I was actually grump. I was in uh, Indiana this weekend. Saw Florida basketball play at Butler. Where if anybody who's seen Hoosiers know that's where they had the state championship. It was a real, real cool scene there. So I am trying to, I'm trying to dull the senses with the Giants with as many other of my passions as possible. So follow along on the at the Cranky Fan and you'll follow along with me. Hoosiers is my favorite basketball movie. Oh, it's my favorite sports movie. Interesting. It, uh, you know, it's just, it's well made. It's, it's, you know, very atmospheric. I think everybody, except for Barbara Hershey, I could do without her in the mm-hmm. movie. She's awful. But Gene Hackman's great. All the, uh, the basketball scenes are great. And, um, yeah, if you ever get a chance, you're in Indianapolis, go to a, go to a Butler game. It's, Duke and Cameron Stadium it gets all the hype and the publicity, but I think for the best atmosphere in college basketball, I would, I'd say go to Hinkle Fieldhouse. And the show itself is available on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, Google Play. It's available everywhere. But uh, you know, subscribe for free, and uh, you'll get these episodes when they pop up. Regardless of how weird our schedule is, they'll just be there once they're uploaded. So I'll tell you what, guys. 
tell a friend. Mm, yeah. All you guys out there, tell one of your giant friends about us, and they tell one person, and so on and so on and so on. Oh, a lot of giant fans together. So um, we appreciate all our loyal listeners, the ones we always interact with. You guys know who you are. Uh, let's try to get some more of us out there, and uh, you know, more smart people together will make Grump and I smarter. So. Yeah. Lord knows we need it. No kidding. Jeez. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.